Thank you, worship team, for leading us so powerfully this morning. Can we say thank you to those guys? I don't know about you, but um, this series, Preparing the Way, as we've been looking at John the Baptist and his life, um, is preparing the way in my own heart, and I hope it's preparing the way for you and what he's saying to you as we get ready for Easter. John the Baptist is uh, an interesting character, and we're going to dive into him more uh, this week. Last week, we talked about the reality of him uh, being someone who is, is like a voice calling out in the wilderness and the desert, preparing the way. He was the forerunner to Jesus coming. And uh, this week, we're going to dive into kind of the eccentric side of John the Baptist and why he did some of the things that he did. Um, but every single one of us growing up, because you got asked this by your parents, you asked the question, what do you want to be? when you grow up. Do you remember that? And you thought about it and you wrestled with it and you didn't really know what you wanted to do. And I think I've shared this with you before, uh, but I, I, found, I love hearing what my kids want to be when they grow up. And so this was two years ago. Um, we asked our kids every single year when we start first day of school, we asked them this question and Natalie takes a picture of our kids on what they want to be on their first days, this first day of fifth grade. And Noah said, I want to be a professional athlete. It's hard to see it. I want to be a professional athlete when I grow up. Pretty, you know, common, you know, profession that you want to be when you're a young kid. Uh, Alice wanted to be a cheerleader when she grows up. And then my youngest, Theo, he wanted to work at Idaho Pizza Company when he grows up. And this was an upgrade because the year before it was, I want to work at McDonald's. And the other day I was with him. And so this is two years later. And I said, Theo, have you thought any more about what you want to be when you grow up? And he goes, um... I think I want to work at Wendy's when I grow up. So there's a common theme here when it comes to Theo and what he wants to be when he grows up. Um, but for every single one of us, like that's a question we wrestle with. But um, here's the thing. For some of you, you've now grown up and maybe you're doing that thing that you've chosen uh, to do and you're still going, what do I want to be when I grow up? And you might be asking yourself, you know, what am I actually doing here? What am I supposed to do with my life? Why do I wake up every single day? What's actually the point of all this? And you might even be asking this question because there's actually no life in what you're doing. Yeah, you've got a paycheck. Yeah, I've got a house. Yeah, you've got all the things that you wanted to have. But now that you have all those things, you go... It's really not full of life. It's not what I thought it was going to be. And you're wrestling with that core question is what am I actually made for? What am I actually made for? Martin Luther King said this. He said, if a man has not discovered something that he will die for, he isn't fit to live. And that's the thing that you, you don't have an answer to is what am I actually made for? We all struggle with this. Maybe you are here this morning and you've, you've been wrestling with this because you've discovered that the things that you thought would bring you life don't bring you life. They don't line up maybe for God's desire for us. You've been pursuing things outside of God's will. Sometimes we have opened up our eyes to something greater and God's calling on you to, to take that leap of faith into something greater. But the reality is that that greater faith, that next step, it, it's, it's loaded with fear. It's loaded with, but, but what if there's failure? What if this doesn't come through? What if it ends up being just the same thing that I'm in right now? Sometimes we 
begin to recognize the things that our parents maybe had told us when we were growing up. The truth that they spoke over us wasn't really actually truth. And it didn't actually align to God's kingdom. Maybe you believe lies about what really fulfills us. And if this is where you find yourself this morning, or maybe you found yourself in this place at some time in your life, and it's gone away, and maybe it's starting to come back, my hope and desire this morning is that we would actually look at John the Baptist and look at how he lived his life, and actually we would take a look at the cues of how he lived his life. And then maybe, just maybe, as we just sung, dry bones would start to rattle in your life, and he would actually begin to call you to something else. And that you would be willing to courageously step into that calling, whatever it actually is. What did, how did John the Baptist live? Mark chapter 1 is the testimony of uh, Mark's description of John the Baptist and who he was. And, and a lot of this is very similar. We've been looking at every single gospel and the account of John the Baptist. John the Baptist is talked about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Today we're going to look at Mark's account. Mark chapter 1. It says, The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will, you already know what I'm going to do right now, who will, what's the next next phrase? Prepare the way. Is that how we, is that how we say it? That's not how we say it. We've got to say it like we said it last week. He, who will what? That's a little bit better. All right. We're getting warmed up. Okay. Let's try it one more time. Who will? Prepare the way. There we go. Prepare the way. It's an announcement of hope. A declaration out in the desert, in the wilderness. A voice calling in the de- desert. De- blah, 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 blah. A voice of one calling in the wilderness. Prepare the way for the Lord. Make the straight pass for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him, confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. Verse 6. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. That's weird. That's just weird, right? Like, why does Mark put that detail in there? Well, it's an important detail. And as I was spending time actually looking at this passage, I found something interesting. Locusts and wild honey. There's debate about what these locusts actually were. When I first think about locusts, I think about grasshoppers. Am I the only one? Right? But there's actually a locust plant. Did you know that? So there's debate about whether John the Baptist was vegetarian or a meat eater. I think he was a meat eater personally, but he might have been a vegetarian. Um, but a camel's hair, a leather belt around his waist. Why was John the Baptist so eccentric in his clothing? Why did Mark even include that detail? It's actually a really important detail. Why is it an important detail? About 800 years before Jesus comes, there is a book called the First and Second Kings. Everybody say First and Second Kings. First and Kings is a list of a story of history of Israel and Judah that are dealing with the reality that there are kings that are leading over the nation of Israel and Judah. Um, most of these kings honestly are bad. They're not good kings. Every now and then a good king pops up. But most of these kings are bad. 
They continue to worship foreign gods. They continue to focus on all the things that God has not done for them. And they choose to worship foreign gods, foreign idols. And God continues to send prophets to them saying, listen, you need to turn away from your sin. Turn away from idolatry. You need to choose me. There's a king called Ahaziah who is right after King Ahab. He actually uh, falls off of some lattice that was a part of his castle, his, his uh, fortress. And he's actually to the point where he can't get out of bed. So he asks his messengers to actually go and uh, consult the king Beelzebub. And the spirit of the Lord comes on a prophet and says, I want you to go and confront them and ask them, isn't there a God in Israel whom you could come and consult? The God of Israel, Yahweh? And so sure enough, the prophet goes and confronts the messengers and then returns back to the king. And the king goes, why did you, why did you come back so early? He said, there's a man that confronted us about going to King Beelzebub or the God of Beelzebub and asking if you'll ever get out of bed again. Isn't there another God that you should be asking and consulting? And the king asked the question, well, who is this man? What did he look like? Second Kings chapter one, verse eight, they replied, he had a garment of hair and a leather belt around his waist. And the king said, this is Elijah. Everybody say, Elijah. Why did John the Baptist dress so eccentrically? Because he's actually living out the life and spirit of Elijah. In fact, I just wanted to show you all the different similarities between Elijah and John the Baptist. Look at this. Elijah's life, he wore camel's hair and a belt around his waist, it says in Mark 1. He lived in the desert and called on Israel to repent away from any foreign gods and idolatry. He warned kings of Israel of destruction with passion, clarity, and conviction. Let's take a look at John's life. John wore camel's hair and a belt around his waist. He went into the desert and called on Jews to repent for the kingdom of God is here. He warned religious leaders, Pharisees, Sadducees, the destruction of, of, of God's people is going to be restored. The kingdom of God is here at hand. And he communicated this with passion, clarity, and conviction. Why did John the Baptist do this? Luke chapter 1, we've read it. He will bring back many people of Israel. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power. What's it say up there? In the spirit and power of Elijah. Elijah. Spirit and power of Elijah. To turn the hearts of the parents to their children and their disobedience to the wisdom and the righteous to make a people prepared for the Lord. John the Baptist takes on the spirit and power of Elijah to tell the people the one that said he was going to come, he is here. And so why did John the Baptist live with passion? Why did he live with power? Because he's taking on the calling that God had given him. He's taking on the calling that God had given. John knew his calling in the kingdom of God. He knew it and he lived it to the point of emulating everything that Elijah did. And saying, I'm the one. I'm the forerunner. I'm the one that's come to prepare the way for Jesus. And he did it with a passion that was eccentric. People are like, who is this guy in the desert, in the wilderness, calling out the kingdom of God? They came and asked that question. Who are you? What are you doing? I'm the one that's preparing the way for the Messiah. I'm the one that's calling on 
people to come back to the Lord. Now, here's where some people go and they say, we should be eccentric for Jesus. That's a fine line, isn't it? I mean, we need to be eccentric for Jesus in the sense that we should stand out where people that are called out, separated from the rest of the world to point people to Jesus. But sometimes, like, we get weird, right? Christians get weird, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? If you don't, maybe you're the weird Christian, okay? I'm just saying. I don't know what you're talking about. No, no, you might be that guy, right? But we don't want to be that guy. We are called to be in the world, but not of the world, amen? John knew his calling. John knew his calling. And because he had clarity about his calling, it moved him to a place of passion and spirit to say, this is who I am. This is what I'm called to do. And I'm going to live into it to its fullest potential because this is why Jesus has me. This is the calling that I know about, that I'm called to. When you live out the calling that God has designed for you, God's Holy Spirit fills you with the passion needed to accomplish his work. If you're here this morning and you don't have a whole lot of passion in your life, and I'm not talking about emotion. I mean, there's emotion sometimes attached to your passion, but I'm talking about every single morning you wake up and you know why you're here. Jeremiah talks about it. He says, even if I couldn't, if, if you told me to stop talking about my God, that it would just burn inside of me, that it would be like fire in my bones and I wouldn't be able to contain it. When you wake up in the morning, do you have the mindset of, I know why I'm here, what I'm called to, and there's fire inside of my bones and there's nothing that's gonna stop me from moving into that. Do you wake up every morning with that mindset? Do you know what that is? I'm be saying, Justin, are you saying we all need to be preachers? No, I'm not saying we all need to be preachers. Amen. <laughs> but whatever you're doing, wherever you're working, wherever you're going, are you bringing the kingdom of God? And do you understand what that means and what that looks like with the role that you have to play that God's inviting you into? Passion is described as a strong liking or desire or devotion to some activity, object, or concept. We would, I would argue, the power and spirit of Elijah, that passion, it's, it's Jesus in everything, in every area of my life. Is Jesus being moved forward in every aspect of my life? And here's the good news, you guys. You might be saying, how do, I, how do I do this? How do I lean into this? There's a couple things. First one is this. Is before Jesus came and died and resurrected, God would use certain individuals to fill them with his spirit. But the Bible says that since Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, that his spirit lives in every single one of us. And this was promised in Joel chapter 2. I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And young men will see visions. And Jesus said it plainly, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads you into all truth. Every single one of you who claims to be a follower of Jesus, it says that in God's word that you have the same spirit inside of you that resurrected Jesus from the grave. And so the question that has to be asked is if you don't have this fire in your bones that God wants to give you and his Holy Spirit's inside of you, 
What is this thing that God's called you to? Have you figured that out? And are you willing to lean into it and figure it out? Because I believe every single one of us are called to live like John the Baptist with a passion and excitement of what Jesus called us to. And some of the people that I know of that are the most passionate people that I know, they're not the most emotional people. They just have this, this resolution that I'm going to do what God's called me to do. And I'm going to wake up every single day committed to that. Are you with me this morning, church? The phone is. Amen. <laughs> A resolution. This is who I am and this is what I'm called to. And I'm going to live with the power and spirit of Elijah, which is the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. How do you get there? How do you get there? I have three questions for you. What is the purpose or role that Jesus called you to? And if you have an empty space in that, if it's an empty blank space, don't be discouraged. Because I think the majority of people live with a blank space. They don't really know. But I believe it's the church's job to be in a relationship with one another where we have the ability to actually walk beside people and begin to call out the things that God's put inside of you for the purpose of his glory and his kingdom. But I do know this, there's, there's people in our church that live with the power and spirit of Elijah all the time. They live out what God's called them to do. And maybe they're called, being called to something greater, but I, I see it in the little things, the little things that are actually really big things in a paradoxical way. I see it in people like Penny Thorpe and Stephanie Dalton. They serve on our guest ministries team. And I know they're living in what they believe they're called to live out and serving here at Real Life, not just in the community here at Real Life, because here's the thing. They get so excited when new people come. And they come up to me and go, Justin, 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 come here. There's a new person over here. They haven't had anybody talk to them. I've had other people talk to other people, but this new person, I really want you to meet them. They sound like amazing people. Come over here, come over here. And I get so excited when I see them come alive. Are you alive this morning? Because when you understand your purpose and you live in it, you come alive. N number two, uh, Diane Hiddle, who loves to pray and loves to intercede on other people's behalf. And you might be saying, well, Diane, she's not, an she's not an emotional person, but she comes alive when she prays and when she prays for other people. And you guys are shaking your head, you know, because you know her. You've seen it in her. I think of Scott McMiniman, who loves when men get together and share life together, that love each other and call each other to a greater calling. For him, he was a football guy, so he's like, it reminds me of the locker room. He comes alive. Rudy Espino, who loves God's word and loves calling and teaching people to his word and revealing the truth of God in an amazing way. You can see him come alive in men's group, in home group. What is that? That's the power and spirit of Elijah. God's Holy Spirit in him. Nate and Beth, Nate Walworth, Beth Benton, you see them come alive here every single Sunday. Why? Because they're living out their God-given calling to move the kingdom of God forward. What is yours? Are you alive this morning like John the Baptist? Do you have that calling in your life? And if you don't, Will you surround yourself, question number two, will you surround yourself with people to help you discover your purpose here on earth? Proverbs 20 says this, the purpose of a person's heart are deep waters, but one who has insight, what's it say? One who has insight, what's it say? Draws them out. What is that saying? 
mature disciples of Jesus have the ability to see things inside of you and say, this is who you are. This is what I see in you. Have you ever had someone look at you and say, I see this in you? It's a calling. It's a purpose. It's someone saying, I see this in you and I'm going to draw this out of you. Who are the people in your life that have the ability to see you, recognize what God's made in you and what he's calling you and, and call you into that calling? What is that? Do you have real relationship with other people? People that you, we would say are home groups. Who is the person that's saying, I see this in you? And here's the thing, we have to be in relationship. We have to be in deep relationship in order to get to that place. Maybe say, I've never had anybody call anything out on me. How deep of a relationship do you have when it comes to the people in this church? Because if you're just here and you're part of a service and you take that in and then you just leave, the reality is you're never gonna have someone call something out in you. You've gotta be in a real relationship with other people. You've gotta spend time with other people so that God's spirit and his word and his people would all come together to call you to something greater. And so if you don't have life in you right now, the only way it's gonna happen if it's God's spirit, God's word, and God's people all involved in your life, which means you've gotta get connected in a real relationship with people that can speak the love and truth over your life. And sometimes that love and truth is a little painful because <laughs> it requires you to say no to things that aren't of the Lord and to say yes to the things that are of the Lord. And so who are the people that you're gonna surround yourself with that have the ability to speak life over your dry bones? Number three, will you surround yourself with people that will remind you of your calling? Because this is what I do know. There will come a time, if you've had that type of relationship with people, if you've had people that have spoken life into you, said, I see this in you, there will come a moment when you will begin to question that calling. Elijah's life talked about all the things that he did. God used him in a powerful, powerful way to go after the gods of Baal. Went and brought fire from heaven down on a sacrifice showed all the other gods of, 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 the, na of the native land that, that God was the one true God. And it says that after that, that Elijah, in the midst of his victory, goes away depressed. Goes into a cave. As they go out to set out to kill him, he goes and gets depressed and heads to a cave and begins to question his calling. You want to know who also questioned his calling? John the Baptist. Matthew chapter 11. Jesus, are you, are you sure you're the Messiah? Because I'm in jail. And you said that you would set the captives free. There will come a moment where you question your calling. And you're going to need people that surround you, that remind you of the calling that Jesus has put over your life to help you be reminded of God's faithfulness in the midst of great difficulty. And I just want to read this passage to you. This is from Paul to Timothy, toward Paul's end of his life as he's speaking to Timothy. Listen to what he says to him. He says, Timothy, 
his young disciple who he's raised up and sent off, he says this, I long to see you again. This is Paul in prison, knowing that he's probably going to die soon. He says, I long to see you again, for I remember your tears as we parted. Do you have that type of brotherly relationship? Where you love your brother so much that in the midst of great difficulty, when you leave, you go, like, I, I, this might be the last time I see you. Do you have that type of relationship? That type of calling in your life to be in relationship with other people, to call them to Jesus' mission. I remember the tears as we parted, and I will be filled with joy when we are together again. I remember your genuine faith, for you share the faith that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. Do, you. do you hear what he's saying to him? Do you remember the calling? Do you remember the faith that was given to you by your family, by your mom and your grandma? This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I am in prison for him. With the strength that God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from before the beginning of time, to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now he has made all of this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death and illuminated the way of life and immortality through the good news. You need people to speak over your calling, to speak over your life in the midst of life's most difficult moments. As Paul did that to Timothy, who is your Paul? Who's calling on you to live the life that God's called you to live, full of power and passion in the spirit of Elijah, as John the Baptist said, I know this is my calling. I know what Jesus called me to. It reminds me of my own walk with Jesus. 2003, year I graduated, I was going to go to NNU and I was going to get a, a, a bachelor's degree in, in higher education. And I was going to coach football and win state championships after state championships at Meridian High School. Go Warriors. But God called me to something else two months before I graduated on a mission trip. And I get the awesome opportunity to live out that calling every single day. But I just want to tell you, I'm still standing in the calling that God's given me because there were people that reminded me of my calling in the midst of my greatest pain. When we had a church split and all our staff resigned in a four-day period and people left. It was people that spoke over my life in the midst of me thinking, am I really doing what God wants me to do? in the midst of experiencing great family trauma, going on sabbatical seven years ago, and the elders of this church speaking over my life and saying, you need to go rest with your family and get healed up. I questioned my calling. 
in the midst of dealing at times with anxiety and depression, God says, I want you to be reminded of your calling. I've been with you in the midst of the valley and the mountain. Who are the people that are gonna surround your life and remind you of the calling in the midst of life's most difficult and painful moments to remind you of God's faithfulness? Who are those people? Because here's the thing. God wants to use you. God wants to use you. God wants to use us to make a difference in this small amount of time that we're here on earth. It's small. So every day matters. Every day matters. Take captive the day. And when we live with the calling that God's given us, when we live with the passion and power of the Holy Spirit, people recognize that there's something new and alive in us. And they ask questions. Why do you live the way that you live? And you get to say, because Jesus lives in me. So what is Jesus calling you to? What relationship do you need to enter into? What big faith step is Jesus inviting you into that you need to trust him with? Because it needs to be him, his mission, his glory, his life made new in you. I love what John Wesley says. He says, light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. I think John Wesley would agree with me when I say that passion, that burning is the ability to say, it's Jesus. It's Jesus. And just like John the Baptist who pointed to Jesus, we, as a church, point people, it's Jesus. As we get ready for communion this morning, I just want you to reflect on these three questions. What purpose of calling has Jesus called you to? Will you surround yourself with people to help you discover your purpose here on earth? And who are the people that are gonna surround you to remind you of the calling that he's placed inside your heart the moment he knit you together in your mother's womb. If you would like to take communion this morning and you didn't grab the elements as you came in, if you just wanna raise your hand, these servants here would love to bless you with the elements. Just keep your hand raised so they can see it and they'll patiently get the elements to you as we get ready to come to the Lord's table. Let's prepare our hearts as we talk with Jesus this morning.